Good evening, TigerCast fans. Back on a Monday night, uh, albeit with two points, which is better than none that we've acquired the previous couple of weeks. So I think we'll take what we can get at this time of the year just to try and keep ourselves somewhat in the hunt. But it was a little bit of painful viewing uh, against Frio. But we'll get stuck into that part a little bit later because we've got a very special guest tonight. But first, Carl, welcome back to you, mate. How have you been? Yeah, great, great, great to be back. A uh, little disappointed with uh, how we've been going in, in, in the last little month. Uh, we should be well and truly in the lead up to, to playing finals, given the, you know, the results we've been having. Uh, if they had, a, if we had been a kick further in front, we, we would have won a few more games. We would have been, you know, a couple more, had a couple more wins on the board. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. So yeah, not as happy as probably what I could be, as, as a lot of other people are as well. But um, no, look, there's, there's a lot to cover. So looking forward to having a chat about Richmond again. Definitely. No, we'll, uh, we'll definitely touch on all that later on. But uh, we've got a very special guest in the house tonight. He played 125 games, kicked 124 goals for the Tigers. Ben Holland, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me on tonight. Uh, looking forward to it. And I echo Carl's words as well. It's a bit, bit sad at the moment, the old Tigers. They've uh, could should be a couple of rungs higher on the ladder and uh, just not mm. closing the games out. Definitely should be. And a huge shout out to Nick as well for getting in touch with you and helping organise this. I believe he was a player sponsor of yours back in your playing days. Yes, yes. Uh, they looked after me, the Hierarchus boys. And um, I think they're uh, still quite close with Drake, Mark Dragasevic. Is it? He yep. on a few yeah, years ago as well. Yeah. well yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, they, um, he was hounding me to get on this show. So it's very important that I get on there. So uh, <laughs> I'm good, good to be here. Very good. And well, I mean, someone's actually asked if, it, I mean, foot doctor's not the technical term, but uh, it's still in podiatry. So give your business a plug. So if anyone does <laughs> need to see you. Yes, I am. I am uh, the Victorian Podiatry Group, which has got uh, a lot of, um, about, there's about 12 sites all around Melbourne and we employ uh, six podiatrists working there. So um, I work at a couple of the sites. So any um, big footy uh, listeners out there with sore heels or uh, Achilles problems or injuries, um, or even yeah, just your... Uh, regulation toenails come in and see us and i, I did this on the talking tigers a 20 percent discount for anyone that mentions the the big footy uh the podcast so oh extend that to all the <laughs> tiger supporters out there when they book you tell the receptionist might pass it on to my uh father-in-law who's needed needs to get his toe looked at he's a hawk supporter but that's all right we'll, we'll get him on board all right we can take that off for him we'll take it off. <laughs> <laughs> all right um we're going to get stuck into some quick questions because Ben's with us till nine o'clock, which is really generous of his time. So uh, I found a, a couple of interesting things when looking up just a bit about you, but the, the drafted by Fitzroy 1994, pick 19, but elected to remain in South Australia the following season before coming across to the Tigers. I, you know, that was obviously a long time ago now, but how did that all come about? Did Fitzroy, were they in contact with you for a while or was there a chance for another club? And I suppose what was the, the reason behind staying home in SA? Yeah, they were. The, the Fitzroy were after me for a while and, um, as you said, got drafted number 19. Um, my um, coach at the time was Daryl Hart, who was a, a Crows player and then coached North Adelaide. And I'd just finished school um, and I came across to Fitzroy a week before the... Uh, I did a, a week of the pre-season camp with them, believe it or not, and... Um, I came off and their, their headquarters had changed to the top of a pub in Fitzroy. They were training out, out of Coburg Oval, um, but they were having to wait sort of to Coburg to finish training. They, they didn't have a major sponsor at the time, and then they got Nauru on board. Um, uh, the players were sort of leaving left, right, and centre, and it was it was a really challenging time for them. Um, and um, and Daryl Hart was in my ear saying, look, it's an unstable club. It's not the best place to go to. Mum and dad were um, a little bit hesitant as well, and understandably so. It's sort of a 17, 18-year-old boy. They're throwing him over to an interstate to be looked after by someone else. And there was a lot of rumours, you know, that Fitzroy were going to merge with, um, I think initially it was uh, North Melbourne, wasn't it, at the time? They were sort of talking about that. And uh, and then, um, and so, yeah, things weren't, weren't going great for the club. And, and Daryl Hart said, look, we're, you're still pretty raw and young. Why don't you stay and play in the SNFL for another year? Then you'll be a lot better developed to, to play against men. Um, he had his own selfish interests. He wanted me to play at North Adelaide for a year and the seniors with him, um, which I did. And then um, and then I sort of said, oh, I'll come over. And Fitzroy had a, a pretty bad 1995. Um, and then end of 95, 
Mick Noonan took over Fitzroy and he was a North an ex-North Adelaide coach as well. And he came and sat down and said, look, I can't afford to have you on the list. We've only got 44 spots, whatever it was then. And if one player's not playing, it's you know, we need to get that spot filled because we're not good enough to not have the full access to the list. So um, he said, look, if you're not coming over, we'll, we'll trade you or get, get rid of you. And um, I said, well, look, I'm going to – I had an okay year at North Adelaide, but not, not excellent. I said, all right, if it's still Fitzroy, I probably need another year to develop because uh, I'm still pretty raw. So he said, all right, we'll trade you with uh, Richmond uh, and Brian Waldron, who's the uh, you know, famous for the Melbourne Storm stuff. Um, but he was the footy manager then. And he um, – he sort of did the deal and then came across and said, look, you know, Richmond's going places. We're a good club. Um, come across. And I feel a bit bad about this, but I said, yep, no worries. I'll pack my bags. I'll come across. So it was um, – <laughs> uh, and, you know, the rest is history. But it was it was more so that, that you know, Fitzroy were really unstable. That they, that things weren't looking good. As it worked out, you know, 96 was their last year. So that was my first year in the AFL. Um, and they were getting, you know, thumped every week. Um, yeah. So – but sliding doors, I could have gone to Brisbane and played in a couple of flags. Who knows? You know, it's just the, uh, yeah. the end. But, um, but yeah, it would have been a very, very hard first year of footy. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm happy with my decision to play and and, and uh, came to the, the Mighty Tigers and uh, and never looked back. So it didn't play in your mind. Obviously, the excitement around getting drafted and then not getting to get stuck into it straight away. You obviously had good support around you to... I suppose, understand the reasons why. But I can just imagine that would be really tough as a young kid to handle. Yeah. Look, no, in. no, he's spot on. I, I look back at it now and think, what was I thinking? Oh, you know, now you jump at the chance. You go, yeah, of course, when can I get yeah. in the system? Um, I think the SNFL, SNFL was pretty strong then and uh, and North LA were going okay. So we were, we were playing finals. We had a good group of senior core players. And so... They got in my ear a little bit. So I said, you know, no, this is the best place to develop. You're going to learn more here than you are getting beaten by 20 goals every week at Fitzroy. Um, and and you still got that whole career to get you going. So I suppose that, um, I suppose, uh, settled my nerves about not going. Um, my brother, Nick, was over here. He was playing at Hawthorne at the time and he was playing twos. He, he didn't play much senior footy till his third year of, of, AFL, of, of being in the system. Uh, so I was, I was probably watching that and going, well, I'm probably just going to be playing twos anyway, so I may as well be here playing seniors. It's a similar sort of level. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, so – but, yeah, I, I, was, I think things have changed. These days you jump at the chance. You come across straight away. But uh, back then it was it was still a little bit raw. We, we weren't full-time. We were, um, you know, 8 till 9 or 10 in the morning. When it first came to Richmond, 8 till 10 in the morning, you'd do your training sessions go to uni in the middle of the day and then, you know, four till seven at night, come back and do skills or, or weights or something like that. And, uh, you know, nowadays it's full-time, you know, nine yeah. to five every day. So, so uh, yeah, that's probably the, the, the mindset I was in. And what was it like walking into a, a big club such as Richmond at such a young age? Yeah, it was great, actually. We, we had a past players catch up last Friday night at the game and um, Stuart Wigney was there. So he he picked me up from the airport, me and uh, big Brad Smith. I don't know if you remember Brad, big pipe Smith. He was a big six foot ten ruckman. And uh, we'd both, I mean, I've been to Melbourne on holidays, but both uh, pretty raw. Um, and I remember driving in and, and Wiggers sort of drove us down Bridge Road and we went to this arts arts sandwich bar or whatever. And the, the guy who was there... Um, was a mad Richmond supporter and gave us a free sandwich. You know, boys, play well for us. Look, at, you know, I'm a big Richmond fan. Make sure uh, you're always, you know, wearing the Tigers colours. And I was just blown away. This guy was giving us a free sandwich. Never met me before in my life, giving us a free sandwich. And, you know, Wiggers was getting a free coffee from him and stuff. Um, and it was just that, – and that was Richmond, like real heart, the heart of Richmond and everywhere around there was, you know, Richmond colours around the place. Um, they'd had a pretty good 95 Um don't know you guys probably remember what, what position they came, but they were they were up there. I think they um, Richo had had a really good year, and the, the team was going places. Um, and then actually getting into the club itself, um, yeah, it was like a lot different these days. But it was uh, it was a you know step up from where I was at North Adelaide and uh, the change rooms. You know, it just had that that good history about them, even though it was under the old um, Jack Dyer stand and, and pretty pokey. It could sort of. Uh, smell the liniment that, you know, Francis Burke had put on and, and you see all the old um, photos around the place. It was, it was a really good feeling and you sort of thought, right, I'm in, I'm in a, one of the big, big clubs here. This is, uh, is showtime. 
And then you you go on to to make your debut. I think it was round three in in '96. Yep. How how was the feeling there when you, you finally get your chance at AFL, having you know the one year in the Sandful and then finally getting your chance, but with Richmond as opposed to playing with uh, Fitzroy. Fitzroy, yeah. Yeah, it was good. So Robert Walls was my, my first coach and he he looked after me. He was a really good teacher. Um, I reckon he would have, you know, we probably should have stuck with him for a little bit longer, but you know, who knows? It's, Richmond are uh, pretty ruthless. Um, but he was a good coach of men and he had to had that um, a teacher ability to try and get the crew going the way he wanted. And oh, we went up to Brisbane. It was um, round three in Brisbane. That's correct, isn't it? And I played on Richard Champion, who was a South Australian himself and had grown up sort of watching him. Um, and I remember uh, one of my first possessions, it was we were sort of one-on-one and I and I edged him out and he, he sort of fell over onto the ground. I took the mark. I thought, shit, I've, I've, uh, I've knocked him over here. This is amazing. I've, I've been able to you know push um, Richard Champion over it. And I, I suppose that sort of gives you a bit of confidence. And that happened a few more times. And, and you think, oh, I can match it with these guys. This is uh, this is going to be good. Um, and, and we had a win up there that night. Uh, and you know, that, that was a hard feat at that time. The travel, you know, the, back in the day, there was a big hoodoo around traveling and really hard mm-hmm. to play and win in state. So um, that was a good experience. And I remember, you know, the older senior players, Benny Gale and Butch Gale and Paul Broderick and that were really, really supportive and, and a great, um, I suppose, reference for a young, raw, um, uh, nervous young fellow. You know, they just sort of carried me through, looked after me. Brodders was constantly coming up on the field and, and you know, checking I was okay. And, going, and and just that care and compassion from them was was great. So, um, no, really, really fond memories of that first game and, uh, um, and I enjoyed it and I felt like I belonged at a level. So you mentioned... Robert Walls there, and we know that Wallsy didn't really last that long at Richmond. As as a player, like your, your first or second year player, when when Wallsy goes, how, how how are you feeling in that sort of environment? You've just got to a club, and then you you lose a senior coach, and you're about to you know meet a, a new senior coach. We we see that happen these days, and it happens a lot more frequently than probably what it did back then. How how are you feeling back then? Yeah, it was it was a bit harsh because you're right. He's the one that showed some confidence and got you across from Adelaide and said, "Yep, this guy's in my plans," and he's given me my first game. And and I, I think I played eleven games that year, and I was playing all right the next year as well. Um, and that's you, you get thrown back into the unknown. You're like, "Oh, geez, here we go. What's the next coach going to be? How's he going to be? Is he going to support me or not?" Because you, you need the coach in your corner, otherwise it's a, it's a really hard road and a hard slog. Um, and some players that don't um, have the coach, you know, they might have been playing senior footy and then Geesh who came along next might not like them and bang, they're out the door. Um, so there is that nervous, uh, I suppose, apprehension about the unknown, but um, probably a little bit settled that Geesh had been there coaching the twos that, that year. Um, so we sort of knew him and he took on quite a bit of Wolsey's um, game plans and styles and things like that. But uh yeah, it was it was nervous, uh, uh, and I was sad for Wolsey because, as I said, I liked him and he looked after me, and um, I thought he was a good coach. Um, but um, but you learn pretty quickly. You got a new boss. You got to toe the line and uh, get into it. And you nailed your first goal. I think it was round eleven versus St Kilda. What was that moment like kicking your first AFL goal? Very very unimpressive, Chris. Very unimpressive. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't say that in the record books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, so what happened was that uh, I was playing in the forward line, and uh, Richo got the ball out in the wing and running down the wing, and booted the ball in, got knocked down, like got decked after uh, kicking the ball, and it was a free kick down the field. So I was the one that marked it, and so I was at the top of the goal square. Um, but it was a free kick anyway. So the defender was you know, the whistle had blown, and the defender had stopped uh, competing at all. And I just went back and kicked the ball through. And I thought, I'll always remember you, Richie, because you uh, you got the free down the field and I was the recipient of it. So um, very unimpressive. But uh, still, it, it was enjoyable to kick the first goal. Um, I wish it was a you know, snap from 50 or a big talk or something like that. But uh, <laughs> free kick down the field. Now you kicked obviously a few goals throughout your career, but then you obviously swung back as well. Did you prefer playing forward or defence? or And where did you feel, I suppose, most comfortable? 
Yeah, I, I get this question a bit. I, I reckon as a forward, you, you sleep well up before the game and you, you don't sleep well after the game because you think, oh, how did I miss that? Why, do, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Whereas the backs, you, you don't sleep well the night before a game because you're worried about the forward. The night of the game or the night after the game, you sleep pretty well because you've done either done your job or you know it's all over. You can't do any more. But um, I, I enjoyed the. I probably enjoyed the backline a bit better. They they're a bit more of a team. Um, they look out for each other. They um, they cover each other's asses. You know, if you get caught out. Um, whereas the Fords, uh, they're more they're, they're more the artistic. They're the the performers. They're the showmen that. Um, um, run their own race a little bit and uh they do their own thing um and it's uh it's all me 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 <laughs> as we uh we think about the the big forwards over the generations and uh um so i, I reckon the back line were a bit more of a unit we got on pretty well um we had a really good uh back line unit there in the sort of late 90s early 2000s um mark chaffee and leon cameron chubba Kellaway, um and uh, uh Greg Tivendale, those sorts of guys, Darren Gasper. And we all played a lot of footy together and um, and we we're, were good mates. And you sort of knew what, how they were going to do and how they are going to play and how to rely on them as well. And, and you knew they would cover you if you ran off and you'd do the same for them the other way. So um, I, I probably enjoyed that. But in saying that, um, I was I did the same at Melbourne when I went there. I played up forward for the first couple of years and then finished off down back. So um, luckily I was able to play both ends of the game. Otherwise, I might not have played as many games or kicked as many goals. Was it easy to switch your mindset between that? You look at someone like Noah Bolter today for us, for example, is playing both ends of the ground at such a young age. Is it is it difficult to be able to to change your mindset at an elite level? I reckon um, oh, it depends Yeah, because I played mainly forward growing up. So I think if you're if you played forward before before you go back, I think it's easier because you you've had backmen on you and they they're doing things and you can you're learning how they play on you and you're trying to work out okay this guy's um, I can run him around here to to learn the tricks I suppose of, of how to lose your backman. So then when you go back, you um, you, you know the forwards are going to do a few little tricks and and turns and things like that. So it, to answer your question, yeah, I reckon. It'd be fine for, for Noah because he's done it a few times now. But the first time, uh, you, you learn a few lessons. I remember David Neitz got me once out at um, uh, Waverley where where he just – I was the, one of the first times I was playing down back and he sort of did two or three leads and then he just threw his arms up and says, you know, gave the, the player a serve. And so I thought, oh, it's all over. And so I started walking back to the goal square and then did another – you know, the fourth lead and got the mark on, on his own. And so little tricks like that that you learn over the journey and you think, oh, God, how did I fall for that one? And uh, I think it might have been Wolsey. Or, no, it wouldn't have been Geishan or someone said, you'll never fall for that that trick again. And yeah. uh, right. So, so it, yeah. But, I mean, really, really valuable players in, in terms of Noah Bolter and those guys that can go both ends of the field because it gives – you know, Dimmer an option and rather than having to put him on the pine, you go, right, I go down back for a bit and help us out or vice versa, go up forward and kick us a goal and create some havoc. I've got to ask you uh, about Danny Frawley. Now, he um, he famously took us to the finals in, in 2001. You were part of, it, of that side. What kind of uh, an impact did uh, Spud have on you as far as uh, as a coach? And uh, is there any uh, Spud story that sticks out to you in your, in your memory that uh, you may not have shared that you, you'd be able to share with us? Um, yeah, look, Spud coming to the club was was great. He he's as you've everyone's seen, he's got a lot of energy and a lot of passion, and um, was a, a likable fella. Um, and so he was able to. Get everyone to to buy into um, you know playing together and playing the system really well, um, and I think that that enthusiasm um, you know gravitated went through the whole team really quickly. And we had, I reckon, we had the group there that was at the right age, all playing, you know, as I said before, playing good footy together and young, um, and and had been around enough to know, okay, this isn't just about playing footy, we've actually now got to win games and, and push it pretty hard. We had that good mix of the older players, Brodders, um, Benny Gale, um, uh, Leon Cameron came across from the Bulldogs, and Wayne Campbell, Richo, those sorts of guys that are, were all quite mature by then. So we were able to, um, I think we we're at the right stage and, and Spud sort of gave us a little bit of confidence and a little bit of uh, enthusiasm because guys go for it. You know, this is uh, this is AFL footy at the time. So 
he um, he had the players you know, playing at their peak um, 2001, and we had a really good back end of the year where we we won lots of games, um, uh, and we won a few on the road, which gave us a lot of confidence as well. Um, and Spud had a he had a good game plan. It was, it was probably the only game plan he had, which has hurt us the next year because everyone studied us over that that 2001 summer, and then we, you know, we were didn't have a B or C or D plan, but. Um, he was um, he was sticking to that, and we played it well. Um, and it was just unfortunate we came up against the you know, juggernaut of the the Brisbane Lions at the time, and that was the, the first of their you know three flags. But um, it was it was bad luck because you know a few things gone our way um, in terms of uh, personnel being on the park, and 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 that we we might have or, or playing in you know Victoria even might have been a bit better rather than having to play up in Brisbane, two thousand and one. But um, um, Spud was yeah good at galvanising the group together, getting them together, and and um, keeping us all there. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> Spud stories. Uh, he just I told this one before, but uh, he was he was you know, a very passionate man. And um, on uh, the exhibition match we played in over in uh, Isle in um, UK in two thousand three, maybe two thousand two, two thousand three, and he. Um, he he told us all, you know, enjoy yourself, blah blah blah. And then two nights before the the um, the game, he, he pulled us all in and said, "You guys have been like, like you're on a footy trip." And this is in October, so everyone's releasing and things like, "You guys, you've been like you're on a footy trip. You're drinking every night. We've got a game in two days' time. Um, you know, we've got to start to settle down and, and pull our heads in. Um, no more drinking until after the game on Saturday." Um, anyway, that this must have been lunchtime, and then. Everyone went out, and it was the biggest night of the trip. Everyone was drunk and blowing bubbles, and, uh, <laughs> and the next day, Spud came in fuming, fuming like yeah, steam coming out of his ears. That he, you know, no one had listened to him at all. And uh, and anyway, someone probably Rich or someone got up and said, "Take it, yeah, take it easy, Spud." And but he was, you know, he was uh, throwing, um, throwing. I think it was a cross on across the room and things like that. Saying, "You boys, got to better listen to us." We ended up winning the game. Essendon, who were playing, didn't. Didn't care less. They were uh, out on the Friday night. The boys actually behaved themselves <laughs> on that uh, Friday night. But, uh, the, the Spud just uh, yeah, steam out of his ears, and it was funny because he was the one leading the charge in the early in the week, and then he's uh, totally flipped around and he knew he wanted to have fun, but he, uh, he knew we had to pull our heads in a little bit as well. So, and that's what he's like. He was up and down and up and down. You know, he, he didn't know what Spud you were quite going to get, but uh, most of the time he was pretty happy. <laughs> And what was that uh, that semi final against Carlton? Massive occasion. What was the lead up to that game like? And just the atmosphere was eighty was eighty five thousand people, I suppose, at the ground. It must have been just deafening. Yeah, it was it was huge. Um, and that um, I played in, in a Collingwood match. It was about eighty nine thousand on a Friday night, and uh, so that was that was my biggest crowd I played in front of. But the yeah the Carlton one because of the finals uh, atmosphere. Um, I remember there was a big crowd at training during the week. Um, we, we finished off the year really well, beat Essendon in round 22, whatever it was, and then they came out and they they wiped us in the first week of the finals because Sheedy sort of just wound up the Bombers and said, you guys are, uh, you know, the, the real the real parties next week in terms of the finals and, and took a few players off late. And it's, they sort of got under our guard a bit, uh, I think the Bombers that year. Um, and then so we, we had to come bounce back against Carlton and it was a Saturday afternoon at the G, um, during the day, so it was all your traditional sort of traditional rivals, um, and yeah, the build-up was uh, was immense because there's a bit of pressure on us. We'd had a good year, and we didn't want to go out in straight sets uh, and lose. Um, and it was a pretty close game, I reckon, until uh, Kudo sort of went down, which helped us late in the game. He went down, um, and um, uh, but we again we got that little bit of a a break on them, I, th- I suppose, Carlton, and then. Um, we were able to, to finish it out. And it just, I remember the elation after the game. Everyone just thinking, oh, we're on the way to a prelim final. This is, and it's the closest a lot of us had sort of got to ever getting, closest I got to getting into a grand final at all. Um, and uh, and we sort of started to realize and had a little bit, bit of belief that we're, uh, we're in this and, you know, this could be our year. Obviously, uh, history shows it wasn't. But, um, but that, yeah, those memories and that final series uh, sticks into the, you know, my best period of footy and my most enjoyable period of footy too, because it was um, it was what you play footy for with your mates. Um, you know, big crowds at the MCG um, and winning winning games and um, and you know having a chance of the ultimate prize to to win a flag.
Yeah, and we we hear a lot about what Thailand was like facilities wise, you know, compared to what Punt Road looks like now and obviously the redevelopment which is about to happen. But were they really was the facilities really as bad as what they've been spoken about to train in as a as a senior footballer when you maybe had conversations with other players from other clubs, you know, they'd be saying, Oh, how great their new change rooms are or whatever and then you just in, in the back of the Jack Dyer stand getting a rub down or something post-match, you know. Is it, yeah. How is that for you? Yeah, pretty pretty terrible. Uh, it was. <laughs> I remember coming in, um, and this goes back to the uh, earlier question, Chris, about, you know, what was it like when I first came in? And there was a, um, it was this big, big green spa bath in the, in the uh, change room, the players' change room. So I thought, oh, this is great. Look how good this spa bath is. I reckon by about round seven, it had been shut down because someone got salmonella or something. E. coli out of it as well. And a player <laughs> missed a couple of weeks. And, and it literally like, it was like, don't go in there. There was a, you know, almost like the police tape across there and uh, and they took the shower heads off. So players, and you looked in, it was all festy. And I think, you know, Brian Lee's just to get in there still, but that was lazy. Uh, but, um, and that was one of many things. Like it just, uh, you know, all the... Um, the dumbbells, you wouldn't have a, a matching set. There would be a 20 and a 17 and a half or there'd be, a, you know, so, so you couldn't do uh, uniform bicep curls, but it was, um, and I, I suppose we did the the most, what we could, uh, and you know, we're, but we didn't know any better. We were, we were playing and enjoying the times and um, and running around hard. But then when you spoke to, you know, especially the interstate teams, the Crows and the Eagles, and they, they were having sleep like double beds in there that they could sleep over when they got injured and you know the trainer would stay with them and he'd ice them, you know wake them up every hour and ice them up and and had all these special um bikes and alter g's and you're like gosh what well, you know we didn't know half this have half of that stuff um, yeah, right. yeah so it's it, those sorts of things that you like i said we didn't know any different but the talking to the other clubs you're like yeah right that's uh that's an eye opener what's yeah. that Bit of an eye opener talking to the yeah, other yeah, club. Definitely, definitely. But I don't think and, and that's where Richmond's come on in leaps and bounds in, in recent years is they've got the money to do it, number one, and they've they've gone right. We've got to, to compete and the clubs have to. To compete, you've got to get up to that level because other guys are recovering better, they're training better, they've got better facilities. Um yeah. guts and determination get you so far, but uh, you've also got to have that uh, that elite training. Exactly right. Uh, last couple, you were obviously you were the homecoming hero. I think in June in the for the West Coast game, what was that like getting back out into the G in front of the Tiger Army, kicking a goal? Yeah, it was great. It was it was beautiful. Um, I uh, I really enjoyed it. I've got little kids, six, four, and two, and they came out in the ground with me. Um, I haven't. I didn't have kids when I was playing footy, so I was really keen to to get them along and, and have a day game. And Benny Gale, so I said, "Yep, yeah, we can get you this game." He asked me for a couple of years. I said, "Oh, can we do it at a, as a as a day game?" Um, and uh, it was beautiful to see all the old Tiger Army there and the um, Tiger crowd and people yelling out to me. Um, I I left Tigers. I wasn't uh, you know Spud probably kicked me out the door, and and it was you know hard to take because I was enjoyed my time there and I enjoyed the the players so. It was nice to be, um, I suppose, celebrated and brought back in amongst it. I've been back before, but you know, be brought back amongst it in, into the crowd and uh, and and embraced, um, and plenty of familiar faces there waving out in the uh, in the crowd. And so it was a great uh, great afternoon and um, really special by the club and a great initiative that they're doing with that. I think it's really important to bring your past players and keep that you know, that nice culture around the place that they feel that they're welcome and feel like they can come back to the club. Yeah. And I'm sure the kids would have loved it as well. It would have been a thrill for them, no doubt, being out there with you. Oh, it was, it was pretty funny, actually. William, my six-year-old, said, yeah, well, Dad, Dad, why, why are they? Because the people out, Dutchie, Ben, Ben. He goes, why, why are they yelling out your name? What are they doing? I said, these are, these are Tiger supporters. And he goes, yeah, but what, what do they want from you? And I said, no, just saying hello, just saying hello. And then, of course, we, we're telling him, you know, he starts drawing on the walls around the place and things and drawing on his clothes and and then I'm, like, I'm doing an autograph. He goes, well, what, what are you doing? Why are you scribbling on that guy's top? And I said, that's, that's, that's my autograph. He goes, no, it's not. He goes, it's not your name. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's an autograph. And, and so it's it really cute because uh, he hasn't seen a lot of that stuff at all. And he's just got into footy with his mates at school this year and uh, a bit confused by all the goings on. But uh, it just took him to the next level in terms of loving his footy and loving the Tigers. Um, he's, he's right on board now, which is good. 
did he uh, go to school the next day and start signing all his mates' T-shirts? I'm just like that, <laughs> we got a note from the teacher. Your son is in trouble. Uh, he's scribbling <laughs> on everyone's tops. <laughs> uh, but but uh, no, it was it was really cute. And my little daughter Gracie as well. She was uh, she was really enjoying looking at the big screen and seeing Dad on the big screen and and, oh, and so just, just being in the middle of the you know the Coliseum and seeing all the Tiger supporters going going crazy there was was beautiful. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you're able to sort of wait till the kids are able to come along with you. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, and last one, just your thoughts on the current day Tigers with where they're at and, and where you think they're going to end up after this year. How are we going to How are we going to finish off these last few rounds? Oh, geez. I, I hope they can they can scrounge together a few wins and just just sneak into the eight. I think they've still got the cattle. They've just got to get them all out in the park. You know, the the problem is we've had some really good players. Like, Tom Lynch, Dusty Martin, uh, Prestier out for you know weeks on end. Um, Nan Curvis, Soldo, I think he's a good player that's been in and out of the team because of injuries, and and um, they just haven't had that that core group of players which they've had the last you know all the premiership years that have played together all through the season. So um, it, I think if they can sneak in there and they get those those key personnel back, then we'll see a better on-field performance, but it's they've made it hard the last couple of weeks, haven't they, by uh, just dropping a few games. Um, yeah. So hopefully they can get there. They've got some good young talent coming up. Um, I like Ralph Smith. I think he's going to be a good player. And, and Gibkiss and uh, Cumberland as well. He looks, he looks like a goer. So, um, yeah, it looks think, good. Yeah, I think they've found a few there, but they uh, – and my, my little boy loves Shea Bolton. He's a magic man, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah. he's really come on in leaps and bounds. So – if they can get there, they've got the X factor. It's just just getting there. It's going to be the hard part now. Yeah, exactly. Just got to win, win the next couple of games and uh, try and sneak into the eight. So we'll see how we go. That's right. All right, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Uh, yeah, mindful of the time you got to duck off, but really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been fantastic to hear from you and uh, that your time at the Tigers. And I think you know all the listeners would have loved hearing from you. So more than welcome back anytime. Uh, much appreciate all your thoughts and your stories. Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, go the Tigers. We'll be watching them the last uh, few rounds and hoping we urging them on to get in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again, mate. Thank you again to Nick for organising this. Much appreciated, mate. Um, yeah, absolute legend, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Carl. See ya. Cheers, mate. Uh, what a treat that was for the listeners. Uh, absolute gentleman and a, a top bloke, Ben. And, um, you know, you just big number 16 running around, clunking grabs, Carl. We, we would have obviously both watched him during our time so it's nice to get him on to hear about his time at the Tigers. yeah no definitely it's um and, and i think it was really great to see him be the homecoming hero too and um you know just have all of his uh all the tigers faithful get around him again and uh yeah look we're, he's a tiger we, we don't worry about his time when he went elsewhere you know it exactly doesn't right. matter they, these people they have big large impacts at one club and uh he had an impact at Richmond. That's that's all that matters. So no, it was it was great to have a great chat to him, and um, yeah, good to hear how uh, how his time was at Tigerland. That's for sure. Exactly right. All right, we'll uh, we'll get into some of the dirty work. We'll try and knock off a, a review and a preview in in half an hour. We'll see how we go. But um, the draw, Carl, excruciating. Um, you know, a lot of mixed emotions after the game. Uh, you know, we had our chances. I. Cumberland, I think, is a pass mark. I thought he played a fantastic game, and I'll be very yeah. disappointed to see anyone giving him any criticism. Uh, Bolter probably should have kicked the ball. On the other hand, he should have had a bit more awareness. But, you know, it is what it is. We can't change what happened. Plenty of other moments within that game where we should have won. Uh, so it was the final score, 7-10 apiece, 52 each. Split the two points. Um, what did you make the game? Well, I just want to point this out first of all. A lot of people are quick to blame individuals for our results in the last few weeks. It's a team effort at the end of the day, right? We have 23 blokes because we've got 22 on the field and the 23rd bloke who may or may not get subbed into the game depending on how the game plays out. But they're all equally responsible for the performance and the result at the end of the day. So anybody who singles out players, first of all, it's not an individual's responsibility for why we lost. I just want to put it out there because a lot of people say that and I'm just sick of hearing it. Right, and if anyone blamed Noah Cumberland or Noah Bolter for that matter for the reason why we drew on the weekend, it, it, it doesn't come down to that. I mean, for me personally, I think our forward entry has just rapidly declined throughout the season. At the start of the year, we sort of we seem to have a bit of a system 
going. And I particularly like to point out the preseason game against Hawthorne down in Tassie. Now, I know this is a long time ago and people are going to be like, oh, why are you even bringing this up? But for me, and obviously it's it's a time where you experiment things, it was probably the first time we saw Bolter go up forward too. We seem to have this game plan with our forward entry where we were maybe using shorter targets, like, you know, shorter kicks, to, but we were ensuring we hit targets. And that mm-hmm. sort of started to be the way we played in the first half of the season a little bit. But then that's just deteriorated to kicking it inside our forward 50 like we've done in the past. And it just doesn't seem to be working for us. It's too, yeah, it's become too predictable. There was a, a stretch in the game where we didn't get past the halfway point of the ground. And like we dominated for a couple of quarters and didn't get reward for effort, but we just couldn't get past the Frio defence. And credit to them for how they set up. But I think because we allow teams to have that extra man, and like you said, if we're just kicking it long and high, you're pretty much going to get it chopped off more often than not, aren't you? It's just letting us down. Like, we, we can't afford to be doing that, particularly when we don't have a tall forward, like a genuine tall forward target up there like we would with the Tom Lynch. Because when you add a Tom, or even a Dusty Martin, you add Martin or Lynch in there in the forward line that can create, you know, a contest and, and jump up for a mark when we do bomb it inside 50. And even Rewalt to, to some extent too. Um, but obviously with him being by himself down there, with with then Consolto sort of alternating periods of Bolter as well, uh, it, I just I don't it, it it just doesn't work. Like I I feel like there have been moments where we should have been trying to get the ball inside fifty and letting the ball hit the ground so our small forwards could you know utilize that chaos type football and you know move the ball fast to generate score. But we just haven't seemed to be able to do that like we have in years past. Sort of that you know, small forward, cheap sneak sort of goal that would kick a goal and spark us. We have, we've just lacked that. We haven't, we haven't been able to find that. And, and one of the reasons I reckon we haven't been able to find that particularly lately is because we've been chopping and changing with Morris Srioli Jr. I just think if you look, I, I know, you know, a little bit controversial with the way he came on with Ben Miller, you know, late in that, in the fourth quarter, but anytime Morris is on the ground, right, and, and, the, and, he he sparks us. He just he just adds this spark, and and it was noticeable. Like we were looking down and out, and Frio were all over us. And then all of a sudden, the momentum changed because not only was he trying to create stuff for us up forward, but he had that defensive pressure that you look for uh, in in a forward footballer as well. Like he, we play better football when he plays. He like sets a standard without even realizing he's doing that. And okay, you know. Uh, people will say, well, why are you saying that, you know? Well, it's, it's because I'm, I'm not just saying it because I, I love MJ. Like, I've, I've been saying he's been needing to play for a while. It's because he generally makes us a better side when he plays. So the yeah. fact that he hasn't been playing four quarters and he's been in and out, I just think it's yeah, it, it's hurting us. I suppose the hard part is his pressure is elite. I think he had almost the most pressure acts, you know, on the ground in the short amount of time he played. He was unbelievable. Um, but I suppose the knock being his disposal count isn't as high, but then neither was Cyril's. I'm not trying to say they're the same player, but he, he can have strong impact with limited possessions. Um, and the one thing we have been lacking has been that defensive pressure. Mm. You know, like Cumberland, I think, has improved on that area of the game, you know, just over the last week or two. But Rewalt, you know, isn't as fleet-footed as he used to be. Lynch isn't when he plays as well. Nank and Solder, when they're resting down there, aren't. Um, so... We're kind of a bit desperate for that pressure to be there to cause that front half turnover. We just don't have it. And if we're going to bomb it, then not. Think, yeah. yeah. I think also, at the same token, you don't have to. It's not about having the most disposal on the ground at the end of the day to have an impact, you know, or you, you can have minimum impact, but it also actually have a massive impact at the same time, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I, I think. Um, where we play better football, we got Josh Kipkis playing personally as well, like, and it's a big call. But he was such key for us in the first sort of ten rounds, and having him in and out in the back half of the season, just because having inconsistency. Obviously, you, you're going to have to have, you have to naturally make changes with injuries and illness and what on the times we're living in. But it, it's just it, it our structure really. It, whatever it is, just falls apart whenever we have players that are sort of in there for six weeks, then all of a sudden they're out for like a month. Like, 
And in years past, we had the depths to be able to cover for that. But those mm. sort of fringe plays that we've had, you know, like your, your Choles, your, your Coleman Joneses, your Alice, you know, all those types of players that we've had in the past, they're not there anymore. And I think that's another thing that sort of we're, we're coming to realise now we don't have those players with that experience that can just sort of step up from VFL level. Uh, and, and and whilst the systems are probably similar, they're just they're not quite the same as what they once were in the past. So it's just sort of, yeah, we're not quite gelling as well as what we have in the past. Uh, but I, I think it put it, I put it down to like, we, we seem to uh, have players in for a long time and then all of a sudden something changes and it ruins. Like I think Robbie Tarrant is an example of that. Like he's really shown he's settled now because he's had some consistent footy under his belt players that have had some consistent footy under their belt and working together, playing together, we, we look good when that happens. But then as soon as a player goes out through injury or for, through illness and then tries to come back in again, it just like halts our overall team performance. It's just we can't seem to get it right. Yeah, and there's obviously a, probably a larger blend of youth and experience than, we pro- than we've ever seen over the last um, three or four years. So that, that messes with a bit of team cohesion and bridging the gap between the consistency, I suppose, between a, a seasoned player and a... And it's not... I'm not saying it's the kids' fault. It's not because they need to play and I'm excited to see them play. But it just adds a bit more reason as to why we see some of the types of football that we see. Uh, I think we've debuted almost the second most kids this year. Uh, I think we're one of the top couple of teams for... Yeah, for games played for debutantes, which is which is good, which is exciting. You look at Sonzi, you know, we were calling for him ages ago to come in and he looks like a natural at the level. Fantastic example. And, yeah, we just keep – we've just got this great pedigree of players that we keep recruiting, you know, that they but they need that exposure at AFL level. And I think, if nothing else, if if the season's shot for us, we should be giving those players a chance to to have a crack at AFL level, you know, get some more players into Sonzi, uh, get some more games into Sonzi, rather, um, get some other players like Sonzi playing that we've recruited – um, because they can only do them good at the end of the day. The more exposure in, in the AFL, the better, because that's what we want them to play, you know, and we've got to start getting that next generation in that's going to replace your Cochins, your Edwards, and even your Lamberts, you know, that uh, that aren't going to be with us uh, for, for much longer, we wouldn't would have thought. No, exactly right. Uh, we'll get to Lambert shortly, but I think the Lynch missing can't be underestimated because, to your point about the not hitting a lead-up target, he plays that role really well for us, leading up a centre-half forward, giving an option, and he's just an exceptionally solid mark of the football. So hopefully having him back in uh, is going to straighten us up a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he's one of the best tall forwards in the competition. So when you take that out of your side, of course, you know, it's going to have an impact. But, again, going back to my point earlier, you can't, you know, put it down to particular individuals not being in the side as to why we're not performing well. You know, you you, you need to be able to have the, to have a system where if you have your um your A recruit or your A position player out, you need your B or C position player to come in and play as good a game as they they possibly can to fill that void. You know, and in years past we've been able to do that, but this year we just haven't been able to do it. And I think yeah, as we've just said, it it sort of comes back to. The players that we're we're putting in there now, they just haven't had as much exposure at AFL level. You know, they literally, instead of having three or four years under their belt potentially in the VFL or having played, you know, um, a high-grade football interstate and then come to us as a mature recruit, they're one or two years out of being drafted. And it's, you know, we see your maturity. You've worked with with players uh, and worked alongside some of our quality senior footballers and, you know, youngsters and, and now it's it's your shot so yeah uh, but it, it's all a big learning curve and I think you know the the players that have had their chances this year have certainly um done us proud with their efforts yeah the young kids have I think I've probably personally been wanting a bit more from the experienced guys I think um to help guide them really and to, to educate them so you know these close losses do hurt that they, they are hard to take week after week but when you look longer term we are going to be in a better position hopefully in the next few years with these games under the belt and you know if we do happen to scrape in the finals we know that our best is still good enough but I, it's just trying to get the uh the best out of everyone at the same time with, the, with getting, getting some players back too but 
You, uh, you mentioned Kane Lambert, and obviously it came out today that he's retired effective immediately with the, the hip injury, which I think a lot of Richmond supporters knew was probably going to be on the cards. Even him walking the boundary the last few weeks, he's been limping, and I think this is absolutely you know the best thing for his personal health, um, not so much for the, for the footy club, but 135 games, three premierships. We drafted him when he was 23 years old. Um, it, our winning record with him is ridiculous. Even the games this year, I think he played seven games and we won all seven. Um, and even before this season, it's just not a coincidence that we play better when Kane Lambert was in the side. He's an absolute workhorse, um, runs both ways very, very hard. And he's got line coach, senior coach, whatever you wanted to be written all over him if he so wishes to uh, to go down that path. But what do you make of Kane Lambert's career? He's like... No Kane Lambert, no premierships for us, really. Like, just another one of those key players that we that have made us the Richmond that uh, that we've been, you know, the last six or seven years. He he, we have him to thank for so much, and you know, I think Dimmer even said that too um, in in the speech after Kane's speech. You know, when he briefly said thank you, you know, you've you've helped us as a club as much as what we've helped you, and. Um, you know, we, we sort of experimented for a little while there where we recruited some mature age players that were playing in the VFL system and unfortunately it didn't work out as well as what it could have for some of those. But Kane was one of those who really persisted and, and put in the hard yards and, you know, got a reward for his for his effort that he put in. And, you know, I think the thing that stood out to me was he even said to me, you know, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. I'm, you know, I, I never have been, I never will be. And uh, but I'm I'm constantly working on myself and and have the support of others around me and and have been as best a support as I can to the others around me as well. So he, he's he's going to be a massive loss, um, you know, on match day and and around the club in general. And I'm I'm hoping for our sake that you know maybe he could stick around as a de- development coach if that's something that um, that's of interest to him and the club can can afford to have him around because he's. Um, yeah, he's he he's he means a lot to the to the football club, and um, he's going to be sadly missed. And I'm sure we all have fond memories of the the prelim final against GWS. That opening goal, there'll never oh. ever be a noise than Kane Lambert running into that goal. That was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it was what ninety five thousand Richmond fans. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, but you're right. Like we've we've never heard a louder crowd than that in our lives, you know, as Richmond supporters, members, you know, and, and I don't think we ever will ever again. He's just, um, yeah, he's, he's one of a kind, he's irreplaceable. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a sad day to see, to see him move on from the club, but um, I wish him nothing but the best and, and thank him for all he's done and, and the happiness he's brought to so many people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the club kind of earmarked uh, Judson Clark to be, his sort of successor, um, they kind of see similar traits and qualities in him. So I, I just hope Judson sent, spent as much time as humanly possible with Lambert now. And if he's still at the club next year, just shadow him and learn whatever you can because he was the ultimate professional. Um, and a few people I think have rightfully said in, in the chat that I think outside of Richmond, Kane Lambert was severely underrated. Um, obviously, you know, when you got the names like Cochin, Rewalt, Martin, they probably take a lot of the, the limelight and the accolades, but from a, a sheer structure and importance factor, he was right up there. Oh, no, 100%, no doubt. And, and you're spot on with what you say there. He sort of was a player that that flew under the radar a little bit, but also made his presence known in the big games and came out and absolutely dominated. And, you know, it will never not be forgotten by the Tiger Faithful, you know, just a remarkable effort. And to play so few games as well and to have three premierships to your name, you know, it's not about how many games you play at, at, at the end of the day, but, um, you know, his record speaks for himself and we're not the team that we have been in our premiership years without him and, and even outside those either side. So he'll be sadly missed. And, um, yeah, as I said, wish him nothing but the best and, and thank him again for what he's done. He's uh, been an awesome, awesome bloke. He has been, absolutely. And speaking of milestones, we'll have we'll get stuck into the game this week against Brisbane, but Shane Edwards becomes I think, the first Indigenous player to play 300 games, uh, which is a, an exceptional effort. And look, we, we can't sugarcoat it this year. hasn't been his greatest year, I think it's fair to say, but the what he's given us over the journey as well has been nothing short of sensational. 
um, with his magic touch, his ability to bring players into the game. And I actually feel like his first maybe five or six years at the club, he was too far ahead of other people in terms of his thinking of where the play should be. And he was probably made to look a little bit silly with some of his handballs until they all got into the same page as him. And then he opened up so much space for people where no one else could, uh, which allowed, you know, all the, you know, your Dustin Martins and all to break the lines and finish off the good work. But he, you know, he's been a hell of a player for us, Shane. Oh, look, what, one of my favourite players of all time, Shane Edwards, because when, when when a game needed to be won or leadership needed to be shown on the field, you could always count on uh, on Shane to, to stand up. And, uh, again, another one of those players during our premiership years that really stood up, like in the absence of, of Koch at times, he, he like he may not have been the, the actual captain. Every now and then he'd be the acting captain and whatnot. But, mm. you know, you don't have to be a captain to be a captain. I think quietly... You know, he's he's been one of our biggest leaders through the last, you know, six, seven, eight years and, and been been massive for us when we've, you know, pursued final series. And, uh, you know, this year, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about where he's at as, as a footballer and whatnot. But, um, you know, we're, we're a better football club for having Shane involved. And I, I think he's turned back the clock in some respects this year too with his role. Okay, he, he's sort of speed's probably not on his side as much as it what used to be as a footballer, but he's sort of been, you know, um, springing up here and there in the forward line and just creating f- a few things here and there, like he used to do, like vintage Shane Edwards, early Shane Edwards sort of stuff, like a yep. bit of a goal sneak type role. And, you know, if that's what he does and, and he plays out this season and he calls quits, you know, retires and, and that's what he does, then I'm, I'm happy to see Shane in that way, you know. Uh, another great servant of our football club. Obviously, I'm not suggesting that he that that's what's going to happen, but um, he might go on for another year. I don't know. But uh, to to reach 300 games is a remarkable effort, and uh, yeah, well done. He, he's I've thoroughly enjoyed watching him in, uh, as a tiger as well. And you feel like if we can scrape into finals, it might just breathe a bit an extra bit of life into him, um, and and who knows? Yeah. Um... But, uh, you know, people probably hate what I'm about to say, but I kind of I'm, – I'm beginning to think that we probably shouldn't play finals. We don't really deserve to play finals now this year after after our last month of football. I mean, I'm still hopeful that we can get there, but and, – and if we get, you know, a Dusty and Lynch and a few other players back that have been injury-prone in the side that we, we could – you know, our best football is good enough. Sorry, I sound, that's a very dimmerism, but – our best football, well and truly, is good enough, but I just worry that uh, we, we've we've shot ourselves in the foot in the last month with some of those results being as close as what they are. If we had a won a couple more, then I'd be probably a little bit more confident. But I would hate for us to, you know, get on a run now. And I, I just I don't see us being able to win every game of the next four games, which we probably need to do to to cement a spot on the eight. So uh, I, look, as I said, I, I'm hopeful that. You know, we could get Titch into another final series and, and a couple other players that may or may not hang up the boots at the end of the year. But um, I don't know whether or not we're good enough. Well, it all starts this week against the Lions, who are currently sitting third, and they had a, a win against the Gold Coast on the weekend. I suppose, you know, if we're talking about a month ago, we were probably all looking at this as one of the games that we could probably afford to lose on the proviso that we were going to, you know, we should have beaten North and probably Frio down here, which now obviously hasn't happened. How do you see us going into this game? We obviously get Tom Lynch back, um, which is a very, very good inclusion against Brisbane. But what, what do we have to do differently to win this? We just we need to be better when we go forward. It full store, full stop. Because I don't think it's our backline letting us down. It's our ability to go inside fifty. We're we're just we're not clean enough, and we I think we need to be trying something different. As far as um, you know, maybe we get a, a stack in there if he, if he's available or something like that. Just we need a spark of some sorts. We need something. We need those types of players that can give us the ability to you know get the mo- swing the momentum back to our favour when the going gets tough in the last quarter. What we've been able to do in years gone past, and, and also yeah. Kicking straight a little bit in front of goal would help because the the result against North Melbourne in the end was it 20, 22 or twenty three behinds in the end. Crazy. Just well, you know, 
How do you, how do you explain that? Like, yeah, it's unforgivable. Under, with no wind under a roof, mind you. I think what I'd like to see with Lynch in, I'll be devastated if Cumberland is the one who makes way because I'd like to see Lynch play that higher lead-up role to give us that option out of the back line because he's such a good target and such a good mark. Cumberland can play a little bit deeper behind him and same with Rewalt. Um, just so we can get that mark on the centre wing area and then give ourselves a chance to move it quickly. But it has to be moved quickly. And I know it sounds counterproductive, but that's why... Cumberland, that's why I love his most favourite trait is he loves to move the ball on quickly at all costs to give our guys a chance. And we have to try and do the same thing for him because he's a tough matchup down there. If we can, you know, start taking some grabs around the wing, get it in deep to Jack and Cumberland or to Lynch if he's the one down there, then I think we give ourselves a good chance. Well, and the other thing is as well, we need a reward footballers that play good football too because we have a habit of having players come in and, and they might have one off game in a sense that... There might be a few bad things they do, and then they're dropped for the following week. Now, I can't really say Noah Cumberland's really done anything too badly as far as since he's been given his opportunity to come in. Uh, and I think he should play out the rest of the season, you know, and, and touch what he, he's he's able to do that because he, he's just he, he's showing that, you know, real tiger fight and, and, and that defensive pressure as well up forward too that I think we, we, we have been sort of lacking. So I, I think he, he stays in the side for sure this week against the Lions. Swap, is it a straight swap for Miller, do you think? To get Lynch back in? Yeah. I, I know Miller may not necessarily be injured to the point of not being able to play, but you've got to make room for Lynch to come in. And maybe that means Bolter can go back and play defence permanently. I think uh, it's it's probably going to come between Bolter and Soldo. Personally, yeah. I, and I hate to say it, but uh, I think if anything, maybe Soldo might make way for Lynch, just just on the basis that I, I, I still don't think like there's this a few things that he does do all right, but he still hasn't quite. I don't know if the thumb's quite right or something. There's just a couple of moments where you know he looked a bit fumbly around the ball, Soldo. So I, I think if if anybody's going to make way, I reckon he might make way for Lynch. And do you reckon Gibkiss, I think he's almost a shoe-in to come back if he's good to go. He took a great mark in the VFL. It was an almost mark, one of the two. But he might come in for Miller. Yeah, and, and Gibkiss is another interesting one again, if you look at it, because they've been experimenting with him up forward too, sort of like what Bolter does. Like there have been crucial moments where he's gone up forward and he's slotted a goal, like confidently, to keep us back in the hunt for games when, when they're – you know, on the line. And I, I can't help but wonder, like, what's our thought process there? You know, like, we do, we're doing the same thing with Bolter. Is it because we want the more experienced bodies down back when push comes to shove and so that's why we're, we're throwing them up? Or, like, I, I, I don't, do you reckon that's sort of uh, bad for, for play development, like with a Gibkiss? I, I don't know. I'm just questioning what, what the thought process is behind that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard, especially when they're kids in their first year. So you've got to be careful, I suppose. But I don't know. I can just I would like to see him just leave him in the back line, let him do his thing. It's where he plays his best football. Bolter can be your break in case of emergency. Send forward. But um, yeah, as long as we don't burn Gibkiss out, I think that's the important part too. And that's why I think some of these rests have been very timely, although mm. unlucky for us in terms of we need probably needed him to play, but. Yeah, he's, he's a super talent, isn't he? I, he certainly is. And I think, you know, this could be another thing that's sort of detrimental to some of our players' development at the moment. I don't really like how we're doing this. I think they should be learning to play one role and, and sticking with it for a few years at the least because I think it's left Bolter a little bit confused. Like, I know he, 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 he appears to be just as capable up forward as he is down back, but... You know, the other one that comes to mind for me that I always bang on about is Liam Baker. Now, you know, fantastic football. It doesn't really matter if he plays forward or back or in the midfield or whatever. Bakes just gives it his all no matter what. He's, you know, he's really excelled this year again. Um, but for me, like, I know that in his development years played forward, he should be he, – he is way more effective for us half back through the midfield. Like, I don't understand, like, it, rather than have him playing up forward, we should be having, like, a Morris Jr., a Cumberland, a Stack, or whoever else is around the mark, like a, a Judson Clark or a Sonsi going sort of midfield half forward, 
and allowing Baker to play halfback through the midfield. And if he gets up to kick goal, fantastic. I just, I feel like he's better down back for us than he is down forward. Personally. Yeah, we, we're, yeah, we're playing him there because we aren't picking a correct team in terms of the small forward setup. So we're having to do it as a makeshift. He does have an impact when he's down there, but I, I agree that he's more valuable uh, in the midfield or down back. But I don't think he has as much an impact down forward as he does down back for me. Like, he's a proven defender, you know, when we won our premiership. And I'm not saying it for the sake of if we just put focus our attention on Baker down back, we're going to win a flag or anything. It's not like that. It's just there seems to be a lot of chopping and changing of mag- magnets when it comes to players and key positions and whatnot. And I, I think that's sort of a bit detrimental to our game plan in a sense that players get so used to playing one side of the ground, then all of a sudden they have to play on the other side of the ground. And I obviously understand on game day there are certain factors where you have to make these changes, but... I also think it's yeah, it, it, it's a big disadvantage to us as well. Like it just it does it doesn't always work as well as what um, w- the coaches probably hoped it could work. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. It's hard because like when he's gone for there's been times where he's been shifted forward and kicked a, a timely goal that we've needed. Like he, yeah. we need three, we need one on each line to solve the issue. <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, we can't but, get that. But I think also on that, like the times where he has gone up, we haven't had those supporting players necessarily in the forward line, like yeah. Oriola Jr. or or a Stack or, a, you know, um, a Judson Clark or something like that, that could sort of do that. Like, a, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough mix to get right. But I think we have to yeah. have the right support cast up forward to be able to keep players in their better positions. For sure. Because we'll just we'll benefit as a team as a whole. So mm. we'll have a look at some matchups quickly and then we'll get a, a tip in margin. Um, Charlie Cameron, he's always an interesting one when we come up against him. Does Grimes get the role which he has in the past or do we go Dan Rioli? That could be a good matchup, Dan Rioli and Charlie Cameron. Because Dan will head in the other way. He's been an offensive yeah. weapon. And that, that, yeah, if we can get the ball in Dan's hands, he'll run off him at 100 mile an hour. And, and again, like I... I we talk about players that have been key to our premierships in the past, but Dan Rioli, like, can we talk about how amazing his season's been? Like, in, in that new role. Like, talk about a footballer that has had to take on a new role and has absolutely owned it and rejuvenated his footy career. Like, if he's not top five in our best and fairest this year, I'll be damned. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he, he's been fantastic. And he, you can see he's growing in confidence every week. Yeah. Uh, with- the passes he's taking off now, like he's being a bit more attacking and dangerous with his with his movements. So, and Nick, you're right, Pickett as well. Pickett's had a sensational year and would have to be. Well, I know he missed a few games, but he'd be right up in the BNF as well. Even that last play against Frio, you know, the ball was pretty much dead and buried, but he found a way to knock it forward to himself and, and hit Cumberland up, and you know, he's just a, an unbelievable year. I I, I just I, I love the way Pickett's been able to take that intercept mark. When, when, you know, our opponent's trying to get outside of our forward 50 and, and it's sort of on the wing or uh, our, our half forward line, the way he's just jumped in and, and just put his body on the line to take a mark. I mean, unbelievable. I can't remember the last person I saw that could do that, but I, I, it, I think it's a freak ability. It's amazing. The marking for his size is ridiculous. Just amazing. Uh, we'll take a look at their, so their midfield's pretty uh, solid. Jared Berry, McCluggage, Neil, Rayner, obviously Zorko will go through there at some point, Rich, Robinson. They back pretty deep, and it's probably a part of the ground where we struggle the most um, in terms of our depth and, I suppose, the, the bigger bodies. But we've obviously got Gray and Prestia uh, to roll through there, Bolton will. How do we nullify all of these guys and make sure they don't have too much impact on the contest? Well, I think one of the things that teams have been able to do against us is particularly the midfielders, just get a run and, and have a shot from outside 50 and, and get a goal a lot of the time. Like, we, we just need to find a way to shut that down. Uh, and I don't know, how do we do it? Like, ta- maybe some more tackling pressure in, in, in the centre. Like, be on as soon as that ball bounces. I just think we've, we've sort of – we've let our opponents get the ball and get a clearance way too easily throughout the year. Like, yeah. we, we, like our clearance ability has just been shocking. Like, uh, I don't know, yeah, it, we can't seem to win clearances very well. So, uh, and it always, I don't know. It always tends to happen right after we've kicked a goal. 
they just go bang at the middle, tap, no pressure, yeah. straight into the 50 goal. Like where in the past we could get three or four goals before they could touch the ball, our opponent. That's right. That's right. It's just it's it's been sloppy, and obviously when you've got some quality players out and you're starting to move the magnets around with your next generation of players in the midfield, it's it's going to be a little bit like that. But you know, I don't know. I, I think we need Jack Ross back in if he's a, if he's around. I just think he started to have some really good form and look really good, and then all of a sudden he I think he injured his knee or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know whether or not he's fit enough to, to come back in, but I think he's 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 really sort of proven his worth and stepped up and, and when he was playing well and then all of a sudden he went out through injury. So if he's back, it'd be good to have him back. Um, but, yeah, no, I think the clearances are a big thing more than anything, winning them and then backing them up as well, not allowing your opponent to just get that easy clearance and kick goal from it. Interesting point. A few people have pointed out that the uh, barometer for Brisbane is, is surely. I know he played last week. Is Reese Matheson? If he gets a game, it'll be on for young and old. I reckon he will. He will antagonise the crap out of our players. You watch the fifty metres of free kick count go through the roof. Yeah, but they don't play the MCG very well, Brisbane. It, when it's all said and done, if we can really own the MCG because it's our ground um, and and make them pay for it, then. Who cares about the barometer? Like, what well, what kind of a name even is that? Honestly, it's so good. <laughs> what a flog! Like, I'm sorry, but that's a flog of a name. That is. That's that's terrible. All right, we'll get a tip, including margin for this one. So I think games on Sunday at the MCG, Edwards three hundredth, Kane Lambert. While he's not playing, it's the game. You know, after he's announced his retirement, so make sure the Tiger Army get out there and um, give those boys a lot of love and support. So it's a game we have to win. Um, and we're just going to get the job done. So what's your tip, including margin? And make sure you post yours in the chat as well, people. I'll put some up. I'm going to tip Richmond by 23 points as a tribute to Kane. Oh, very good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'll say Richmond by – I'll say 10 points. I'll go the Shane Edwards route. I just – we need the four <laughs> points really at the end of the day. We just have to get the bloody the four points. So Not 300? Not 300. No, no. He's <laughs> gone Richmond by 80. Um, yeah. It's a game. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, it's we've, we've had a good habit of ruining other clubs' milestones, but I think it would be nice for us to have a, a proper celebration for a couple of hours this week. So make sure we get out there and um, cheer the boys on. Oh, Adrian's gone a good one. 16 for Ben Holland. Very good. Very good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, and another quick announcement as well that I believe we'll have Wayne Campbell on the show next week for maybe half an hour. So uh, I'll get that confirmed in the coming days, hopefully. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have Wayne on to join us to talk about the Tigers a bit more and hopefully it'll be after a win, which would be nice. What, another one of my all-time favourites, Wayne Campbell. I, one of, I, I was born on the 9th. I've always had an obsession with number nine. And so uh, Wayne Campbell wearing number nine, growing up, one of my favourite players. Yeah, no, I'm sure there's a lot of childhood uh, heroes he was. So, all right, well, that about wraps it up. Carl, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. It was great to have you on, um, having a chat with Ben as well. And, yeah, good to hear your insights again. And hopefully we can be back next week with four points in the bag and cling on to finals and put in a better performance. I feel like I got a lot off my chest tonight. I just – I feel a lot better for – Like a therapy session. (laughs) It is. It really is. I love being able to just come on and, and, and get all my thoughts off my chest and, you know, people are going to agree and disagree, but that's that's football and that's yeah. that's what's the, the beauty of uh, having the sport. It, it's good just to be able to uh, provide an insight and a bit of commentary and have a bit of a chat about something we love most, and that's Richmond. Absolutely. Now, spot on. It's always good to have differing opinions. That's what it's all about. So. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you follow us on our socials, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Um, Yeah, share the episode around. Get us up the rankings. Always appreciate the love and support. So have a good weekend, everyone, and we will see you all on Monday. Go Tigers. Count the Tigers.